Welcome to Beer Net Radio. Listen to on every continent except Antarctica. B double R N E T N E T Beer. Beer Net Radio. It's over. But well, we I mean we did last year. I would use the same link for like Oh. But so I don't think I've ever done that. But let's see how oh, well. it goes today. Let me plug my light in real fast. Okay. Let me make sure Jordan can get in. Hello, Jordan. Hello. Hello, Jordan. Hello, Jordan. Hello, Hello Jordan. Welcome to. There's a Google Meet link and then there's a Zoom. Link. Yeah, I don't understand that. Biscuit, come here. I don't understand why there's that Google link. I think Google's just trying to confuse everybody by um, getting in on Zoom's action. Because that's the first that's the first link that pops up if you go I know. to I know. I know. Oh, think, um, it says join with Google Meet. Yeah, but I feel like it was always that way, no? I don't hmm. know. Biscuit, always into everybody's business. Yeah, if you just tell them to click on the Zoom link, not the Google, it should be fine. Okay, cool. Because I made that mistake at the very beginning. That's why I was late. As always. You're not late. You're not As always. Late. Well, welcome to Beernet Radio. Who are we speaking with today? Flying Embers. And you know, he sold, he's Bill Moses is the one who co-founded Kavita and sold that to like 230 to Pepsi for $230 million back in 2016. So well, that works well for him. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting that they Sorry. could team, right? I mean. I wonder if my equipment set. Oh yeah, I need to get I guess I'll get my mic. Uh, you do honestly, it doesn't make a lot of difference, but it does Help you do it. sound yeah. better. It just is a little richer when you're on a mic and there's less echo. But it's honestly, I don't even think Jordan has his plugged in. No, I do. I was trying to maximize my charge. Maximize your charge. Because my computer's not charging when I have the mic in goes into the same port we need to get you a bag of dongles eat a bag of dongles <laughs> just to get a bag of dongles hey harry for all of the ish that you've sent me why haven't you sent me like a super nice light orb that i can look pretty on what's so i can I, ask not i Jane definitely Jane. will do that jen i had no idea that you needed more equipment because uh, i've sent you so much equipment where's your neon jen <laughs> yeah, we're, I'm, I was about to ask. I, me, I don't see your go, neon. Let me go get it. Let me go get it. Okay. <laughs> what does it say again? Jen's jams. Jen's jams. I bought. <laughs> I also bought one that says "Where's YY," <laughs> and why? Why it? Why actually unpacked it because it came over Christmas and he was he was furious. <laughs> why was he furious? He, he just he doesn't like attention or unwanted attention at least and as the youngest child he gets you know he gets ragged on a lot i don't know if you know this jordan but i i I'm a, i tease people um yeah but i would think that because he's your offspring he would enjoy attention are you drinking a zoa harry i have one every morning i thought you i thought you weren't a fan i i power through the film <laughs> okay no actually uh Jordan, uh, I've it has so much like B12 and 
stuff like that in it that I think that's what gives it that flavor. So I, I don't, I think it's just cause it's so packed full of vitamins and, and look, if Dwayne Johnson drinks it, like he claims he does, then it's good enough for me. It's actually Dwayne Johnson piss and they just bottle it. <laughs> I, just I wouldn't, I would gladly drink Dwayne Johnson's piss <laughs> if it makes me look like Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> and that's no cap. Um, <laughs> but congratulations guys. Uh, we're almost at the finish line here on the summit. And um, like I said, I'm getting excited. This is where we shine, Jen. I'm a little is, nervous. I'm nervous, man. You shouldn't be nervous. This Everybody loves you. Uh, I'm the one that should be nervous. Look at me. Well, you're I mean, not nervous, and that makes me more nervous. Well, have you, <laughs> have you, have you guys ever seen the movie um, Aviator with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio? Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. And you know how he plays Howard Hughes, and he's just he gets gnarled, and he's drinking his own piss, and he doesn't come out of a room for three months, and he's just his beard's down to here and he's filthy and he has to go in front of a Senate hearing and they take him out and they shower him up and clip him up. And, and he goes and he just gives a perfect performance. That's going to be me. (laughs) (laughs) I know I look like Holy hell right now, Uh, but I have an appointment on Friday, which is today at three o'clock with Priscilla and Priscilla (laughs) has given me a full hour and a half to take uh, i told her sharpen your shears and she's gonna just tackle this whole thing the face the hair you take know the sander to the nails she's gonna take the <laughs> Harry, how the- slowly do your does your hair and nails grow because if you get all of that cut a week ahead of time i mean especially oh. the b12 you're ingesting it's gonna look the same in a week jen how how when you're my age your hair doesn't i could go a, a six months without cutting my hair and do and have but it's hair. just gonna trim up a little bit and uh you know my glasses are, are all bent up and crooked i might have that fixed up the summit is good just to kind of clean yourself up uh because we i haven't done it in two years yeah i mean shit it's probably time to, to, to invoke a little hygiene, bring some hygiene back. I'm not right? going to do with my hands. I'm going to be doing yeah. it on stage all the time. Yeah. Hey, where's my cu- biscuit? Jordan, I just want to show you. So this box came to my house over it's Christmas. Come here. Like, and I'm Go like, ahead. what the hell is this? Like, I didn't order anything like this. This is from uh, Guangzhou province or however you say it in China. <laughs> And it says, Jen, let's crack it. I'm like, hmm. And you can see the little preview on the box says, Jen's Jam. (laughs) (laughs) And I open it. And indeed, (laughs) just show you guys. I'm about to break it. (laughs) Jen's Jam. Jen's Jams. And I was like, I didn't realize that we were like an actual radio DJ outfit now. Jen's jams. Jens. <laughs> so I'm Jen, like, where the hell am I supposed to put this, Harry? Like Jen, it's a mark it's of like my a appreciation. Comic sans and, font too. Oh, we do have somebody, somebody at the door uh-huh. to Beernet Radio. Hey Harry, nice to meet you and Jen. And likewise. Hey. Nice, Hi, nice to meet you. And uh 
Well, I think congratulations are, are in order. Uh, you've raised uh, another 20 million, and I, I assume that is for expansion plans because let's face it, it is not as cheap uh, to go and to build out to all 50 states uh, anymore like it used to be. And uh, it, it, takes a, it, it, it takes a village, right? Yeah, no, I, I got I to gotta say, I really underestimated, coming from the non-alc world, I really underestimated the, the amount of touch, you know, needed for our wholesalers, our number one customer, you right. know, and so it's a, it's a whole different game. It's a way more labor intensive. And I would say, you know, you have to have a lot of different strategies uh, um, around how we're managing your wholesaler and how you're managing the retailer and, you know, and, and it's uh, and the various classes of trades, but yeah, simply put, it requires a lot of people to turn on a market. And right. when you, you know, where you, when you try to make a, when you go to make a national play, um, you know, you, you got to forward spend, you got to forward spend to really put the people in the street and touch and wholesalers so that, um, so that you can actually get the product uh, on shelves. Right. So, and, and that uh, it is harder in, in the alcohol. And of course you've been very successful in the non-alc world. And, and why is that? Why, why is it uh, more harder in BevAlc? Um, do you think? Well, I think I think the, you know, look, I think because we I, we have 170 wholesalers, and yeah. and I think when when I was, uh, you know, when we we're doing 100 million of sales at Kavita, we had 15. Right. You know. Yeah. Right. Little different animal. And well, we, uh, and Jen, why don't you introduce everybody so that uh, I, I always like just to launch into everything and I forget that maybe maybe we should introduce people. I don't know. Cash me outside, right? So we have Bill, who's the founder, of course, correct? Yes, correct. Yeah. And, and I believe Liz Tomic just joined us as well. Yeah. Hi, folks. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. And and you are the the uh, other chief. <laughs> Basically. We have, yeah, we have a great team. Um, I'm a uh, chief growth officer, so focusing on uh, all things commercial strategy and supporting Bill with key priorities here. Right, right. And you you came from ZX, right? Did you come directly from ZX or was there something in between? Yep. Yeah, okay. I was at ZX. It was a great cool. team. Cool, cool. Well, I'll get to that in a second because, you know, I'd love to know how what you've done there comes to bear on this, this other operation. And Bill, of course, what lessons there are from Kavita to apply here. But but when we talked about this in the story a bit, but just want to go for our listeners over why beam, right? What um, of all strategics that I'm sure you talk to, right? Why them A and B? Does it mean anything as to how you operate or how you go to market, or is it simply at this point an investment from them? Yeah. Um, so you know, we, we met Beam and we had a had a great introduction uh, to them. We sat down, we met, and we really found that the chemistry, first and foremost, the chemistry, mm -hmm. how did their leadership team and our leadership team really communicate? What was the energy in the room? Um, do we think we could make good partners when things don't go according to plan, mm -hmm. not only when they go according to plan? So for me, that was really the most important part of it. Um, I would say that there are some PepsiCo connections throughout the organization, uh, um, but Liz, it does seem like all roads lead back lead to, to either Gallo or Pepsi, yeah. right? But Liz, good. Why don't you, uh, you know, advance that? 
Yeah, I mean, I think we we have a real shared vision on how do you continue to premiumize categories, um, make premium high quality drinks available in a lot of different channels. Um, and they kind of have this shared view on how do you how do you take a lot of that learning and craftsmanship of spirit and classic kind of amazing brands and start to move into faster cycle, faster turning um, RTDs or cans or single serve. And um, we just had a lot of shared view and a lot of nerding out on fermentation and, and uh, brand building. So it was a great kind of natural fit. Not to, you know, <laughs> this deal was just announced and not to go too far into the future, but, uh, you know, I have to ask, does that deal necessarily preclude a different deal from happening down the road or? No, it doesn't. Um, you know, while we have the full intention of growing our, our partnership to whatever end, whatever successful end, uh, there is, you know, there's nothing that necessarily ties one to the other. Well, so Liz was talking about, you know, these fast moving um, uh, drinks that we've all been covering so much the last few years. I don't know how much you can break down because obviously you guys have, uh, you know, some subcategories within your portfolio. What's what's the most, uh, what comprises the bulk of sales? Is it the, the kombucha? Is it the seltzer or anything else? And what's growing the fastest? Sure, yeah. I mean, for us, uh, you know, <clears throat> kombucha is, uh, I would say, a uh, majority of our, of our sales to date. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, closing the gap is our hard seltzers. And then, of course, the innovation that we we went out uh, last year with the wine spritzers, we, we think uh, has uh, a lot of promise this year. Um, and uh, Liz, you want to advance that as well? Okay. Yeah, so I think kombucha is definitely where we started. Seltzers, great growth because it was a first year. So we've got some comps we have to cycle through. But um, we really believe that that category is moving towards uh, flavor differentiation, brand differentiation, premiumization. So we feel strongly that we'll continue to scale that business next year. Um, and then as we kind of build the business, we really think about a platform. So if we know our consumers are craft, curious, flavor seekers, adventurers, we really want to think about different occasions and need states that they have and see what kind of big white spaces or opportunities we can jump into to meet a need. So wine is a great example. We have lots of wine making capability. Bill has a winery and has been a successful winemaker for a long time and wine has a lot of problems to it bottle size, uh, transparency of ingredients, uh, ABV, single serve sessionability, you name it. So we said, well, why don't we try something in that space? It's also a great category to test online because you can ship to so many more states. So let's try a wine spritzer and just start learning there while we continue to focus our retail business. Um, And then as we continue to look, cocktails have a lot of problems with them too. Same thing, sugar, sessionability, quality of ingredients, and that category is doing a lot in the past year and will continue. So we'll try to figure out how we can play in there and meet those kind of cocktail occasions for our consumers. When you say cocktail, would it necessarily be malt or spirits based? Are you looking into both or? I think you have to look at both. You got to figure out like what really is the pain that the consumer has? Do they want pure spirits with cleaner ingredients? Do they want more convenience so can get it in more channels? So early days trying to understand that, but I think just with the, the movement and the success of so many brands out there, you have to look at both. Yeah, and I would say that, uh, you know, our, uh, our, uh, our muscle is really fermentation, first and foremost, so uh, not distilling. So, you know, while, while, we're, while we're really evaluating both, and we'll most likely come out with something this summer, 
um, I would uh, I I would I would uh, lean more. We're leaning more into the the you know the 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 FMB sort of category where we can actually um, you know really flex what our core competency is, which is really making some great fermented beverages. Um, so important. Well, um, you know, Bill, you you like we said, you come from the non outside. Um, why do you think the alk side has been kind of slow in coming to the transparency? Well, first of all, we don't have to, right? The alcohols don't have to put uh, ingredients or, or be transparent. But uh, we're uh, beyond that. It seems like we've been a little bit slow in uh, in in chasing that that consumer that does look at labels and is concerned about the cleanness, as you say, of, of ingredients. Is there any reason why you think it's been slow? Is it technically difficult? I think I think it's been slow because it's uh, there hasn't been a regulatory body that requires it. So really, it's being pulled through by the consumer. It's really the consumer that's really demanding this. I think we, uh, as a as a as a category, alcohol category, you you if you're deaf to those consumers and you don't listen to them, I think that you lose an opportunity of really you know, really engendering them as true loyal consumers that understand really what you're giving them. So I think it's all part of the new modern drinker and delivering a real brand that is trusted, that has transparency, that gives them comfort and confidence to, to buy you and continue to buy you. So I think it's the consumer that's really driving this trend. Right. Um, right. I, I totally agree. I mean, I don't know anybody that doesn't look at labels these days and, um, you really don't know what's in most of most alcohol drinks. And I think it's a huge opportunity. Um, and I think that's why you see some non-alc guys getting into alc because it's a, uh, it, it is a frontier. One, one last thing, and, and I don't want to, I don't want to hog the high, the mic here, but um, uh, of the new investment uh, that you got from beam and other others, uh, how, how much of that generally is going to be, uh, sales and is there any for uh, top line marketing or is it all sales? Well, no, no. I think look, I mean, it's commercial. So we're we're looking to continue to fund our sales organization, and uh, but certainly there is monies that are going to be applied to to marketing. You know, we we do we do have what I think to be a relatively healthy marketing budget as as it relates to our top line. And so we want to continue to build brand and spend money to, to meet the consumers. So it's a 50, 50. Are tap rooms, do you include that in marketing as well? It's, that's a really great question. You know, we're, we're fine tuning some things on some of our tap rooms. Um, there is an allocation of, of our, uh, you know, our, our GNA on our, on our tap rooms that, that is being applied to marketing. It's not hundred percent. It's a separate uh, sort of P&L for sure. Um, but yeah, they're the beacons, right? They are the beacons of the brand and, and making sure that, you know, our marketing team really provides the, um, you know, the, the value added that's needed to really highlight the, this, these beacons is really important. So the shorter answer is a short, a percentage of it is. Yeah. Okay. Are you looking to expand uh, tap? I know you put one in Boston uh, not too long ago. And that was kind of a big move for a kombucha company yeah. to go to the East Coast. Yeah, sure. I mean, um, we currently have LA, we have Boston, we have an alternating proprietorship with Figueroa Mont and Santa Barbara. 
Um, we, you know, we're opportunistic where there is an opportunity to partner with an existing um, brewery. Um, that's always a, a really a win-win. Um, I will say that in Boston and in LA where they're wholly owned, we do make great beers that are, have great botanicals and great macros. So, uh, and of course we, we also have our seltzers there as well. So these brew houses aren't just kombucha, 50% of the handles are, but there's an assortment of other innovations that we, we bring to mar market. And we really use it as a testing opportunity. Um, going forward, again, op being opportunistic will we'll determine where and when. Right now, no plans. Uh, Liz, I'm curious, you know, coming from, from ZX Ventures, which of course is the, uh, the innovation arm of uh, Anheuser-Busch, um, how is it going from a, you know, a huge company like that to more an entrepreneurial uh, situation? Um, I think teaming up with Flying Embers and a founder like Bill Moses is a once in a lifetime opportunity. So I was having an amazing experience at ZX, um, fun to travel the world and invest and make bets in all new categories. But this was something really special. I, I think what's different is we have a lot of heavy lifting to do on our own. So there are no big muscles behind us to, uh, to flex. So I think it's really around focus, prioritization. I think when I jumped on, you guys were starting the discussion around really thinking about our wholesalers as our number one customer and how do we partner with them to build a category, build a brand. Um, so it's, it's a lot more kind of day-to-day -day grind, making sure um, the small things are getting done. Right. Cause you know, it, it, the, one of the luxuries of being with AB is you have that dedicated uh, distribution network that will run through walls for you. And so that part's kind of taken care of. You still have to get their attention, but yeah. it's not, you know, it, it, you're, you're already sold before it gets yeah. to the dock, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think our wholesalers now have been great kind of betting early on this category called hard kombucha and it's um, we got their attention early and now it's just like getting through each layer of scale. And as we get more and more chain points of distribution, making sure we're executing those quickly. We think about on-prem, how do we capture a little bit of their attention when they're going and kind of reservicing that channel. So just giving, working together, really simple execution playbooks and keeping share of mind. Do you think there's a day where hard kombucha approaches anywhere near the share of seltzer? I'm sure you answer that question a lot. No. I mean, it's not, look, it's not, no, actually, you know, we, uh, the, the, um, not necessarily. I mean, I think mm -hmm. as it relates to our product, we don't require cold chain. Okay. Uh, we, um, uh, we, we still do have uh, a live culture in the, uh, you know, in the finished product, but, but the way, you know, our, our particular IP is that we, we, we're shelf stable, so we can force that. I mean, some of the others do, but they're all moving over. I mean, uh, some of the competitors are moving over to be shelf stable. That's a, but, you know, look, I think, I mean, look, seltzer is, hard seltzer is, um, you know, it's once in a generational, I think, uh, experience. It's, uh, and, and it's so sessionable and it really met a consumer at the right time. And, um, you know, hard kombucha is more, uh, you know, it's more, uh, the occasion is much more limited. It's really a dinner occasion. It's really, it's not that crushable. So, you know, you're not going to get the kind of velocity that you get with hard, uh, hard seltzer, but we are seeing that it is really having a, a go at competing with some, some of the older, more, let's just say tired craft sort of, uh, um, sort of uh, established brands. And so we think there's a real place for it. Um, I just don't think it's going to be as big as the hard seltzer. Liz, you want to? 
Yeah, I mean, I think the analogs are pretty obvious. Water, really big category, making a hard one, especially when light beer has had so many problems for so long with bloating and gluten. So that is a really unique beast, I think. Our job is not to try to bet if it's going to be the same size, but I think what we latch on to is more the insight of like all of that fourth category and all of these aisles. And if you walk through a BevMo or a Total Wine is just starting to merge and it's really flavor stories, occasion, and the base of what the product is, um, I think is less and less important. So uh, of course we have to think about category sizes, especially when we're thinking about our retail strategy and telling a story, but we mostly focus around like what do consumers actually care about and how can we make a good one? Um, that's usually has better ingredients, lower carbs and sugar and uses organic. So we're more focused kind of studying that piece than trying to get a category up to a certain number. Right, right. So it sounds like, you know, you guys are really dedicated to just trying to figure out what the consumer wants and giving that to them. Um, in that vein, you know, what about direct to consumer? Obviously Taproom is a direct to consumer. Uh, direct shipping, you kind of mentioned earlier. Right. How big do you think that component of your business could get to be eventually, or do you want it? How big do you want it to get to eventually? Yeah, I mean, look, we, we're obviously playing uh, in the DTC space. We really are, we really are looking at uh, ways of really um, ensuring that the retailer, their direct-to-consumer play gets supported. We have our own DTC play where we, where we, where we uh, spend media to go directly to consumers. And ultimately, the sum of which uh, we're noticing really lifts all ships, including retailers, but it is, a, it is a significant focus of ours in a way and form that is complementary across all classes of trade. Um, but yeah, we're, we're definitely focused there. And where you guys do have, you said 170 wholesalers, are you typically aligned with Molson Coors, AB, any particular bigger wholesalers, multi-state wholesalers? Yeah, I mean, I think we went with the best wholesaler that was uh, appropriate for us, given where we were. So, you know, uh, the Reyes family uh, were there in Southern California, Northern California, Florida, Sheehan's from Virginia, Jersey on up, Lakeshore in Chicago, Benny Keith, uh, you know, in, in down in Texas and Columbia and the Pacific Northwest. So we, we, we think we touched, we're, we're, we're with, we would just like to think some of the best in the country. I'll let Jordan, Jordan hasn't. Well, just kind of jumping off that, uh, what is, what are some of your biggest markets outside of California? Where do you see hard, hard kombucha growing and just applying Ember's brand and in general outside of California? Well, I mean, specifically with hard kombucha, Colorado's really uh, doing well for us. Um, you know, Oregon is showing some real life. North Carolina is a star standout for us. Uh, are, you know, getting support. And I think that's primarily, look, retailers. We, retailers supporting us like Harris Teeter in North Carolina, Publix uh, and Lowe's in Florida, Wegmans in the Northeast. We're seeing some real, real opportunity up there. Um, and um, HEB in Texas is really, you know, so where we're getting really strong retailer support is where we're meeting, finding our consumer and the consumer's finding us. Um, that's interesting. And, and I, I think sometimes uh, people who don't have a lot of experience in the beverage industry miss that p 
part. <laughs> they they miss they miss the part about getting into chains, which I think is uh, pretty crucial. And they sometimes they miss the part about even get, getting good distribution. Um, but, but so now um, you got the, this this big investment. You're going to investment in sales and marketing above the line. Above, is do you feel like there's kind of the the pressures on now that you do have a, a partners that uh, have put in some cash? Well, yeah. I mean, look, I mean, when we look at certain key retailers that have been super supportive, like, you know, um, Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, Costco, we're now seeing a lot of our competitors showing up there. And of course, uh, you know, one, you know, one brand doesn't make a category. So we really want to see other brands show up. But when you go from one or two to six or seven, and, you know, you're not necessarily you know, uh, getting the consumers uh, to meet that shelf space, that really puts pressure on and, and how we really continue to differentiate ourselves. So recently we had, uh, earlier this week, we had the leadership of Sierra Nevada at Juneshine Butchcraft ourselves, you know, the, the four main players in the hard kombucha space actually get together and talk about ways that, that we could align and collaborate to really build the category, uh, how we could unify on messaging, et cetera. So, yeah, pressure's on, pressure's on to really di continue to differentiate ourselves and win in a more and more competitive market. Yeah, sorry, simply put. Yeah, I think answering your question specifically on is the pressure on with the investment. I think we've been lucky to have a lot of investors in from the beginning. So the pressure has always been on and we just really try to focus on the day-to-day -day business building, um, continuing to find more efficiencies, uh, free up more cash flow to support commercial, but um, we're all kind of in this to, to build a business and build a category. And we have a great patient uh, investor group. All right. Well, is there anything like what, what, what's next for flying embers? Yeah, I think um, doves nicely into the question on how big can the category be? I think we really believe hard kombucha is a great uh, starting point to brew flavorful fruit forward drinks. So we're going to keep pushing that, but I think, there are a lot of other really big, interesting categories that we we can touch. So I think to Bill's point, we're going to continue to uh, fine tune what wine spritzers mean to us. Um, we're going to figure out how we can meet kind of a need and play in the cocktail space and continuing to build a brand that is known for kind of those premium drinks across occasions. So we've got a lot of uh, tactical day-to-day -day brand building execution to do, and then continue to think how we're going to scale this and figure out kind of a platform of products. Um, so every day kind of toggling between those two lenses is the focus. Right. And one other thing I want to add, thanks Liz, is that, uh, you know, some of our senior advisors and uh, Nick Lundquist, who's our head of sales now, they took me to school on craft and how long it took craft to really matriculate. It was a 20 year process with some, with some challenges in 95, 96 with quality. So, so while we're all looking for the next hard seltzer phenomenon, right? You know, really I think patience and perseverance and focus is really the name of the game in whatever category we go after. I think the quick, the get rich quick sort of, um, um, I think orientation or focus by some, by other brands isn't really part of our culture or our thinking. So um, it's really, it's really, it's a street fight, you know, it really is. Every door, every POD, you know, is really, really requires effort, like, like nothing else, I think, in CPG as it relates to the alcohol space. It is, 
like I said, I think it's a street fight and uh, we're prepared to deploy resources and really, you know, have the, have the focus and tenacity and endurance to win the long game. Right. That's well put. And, uh, it kind of, uh, the barrier, it, well, it makes the barriers to entry a little higher, so that's good. Uh, but like you said, it's, it's a street fight and you, everybody's fighting for the same precious space and it makes it kind of fun though. Right. Yeah. Well, for a certain mindset, it's, it's great for my, for our, you know, and I think the, the leadership team and the culture that we, that we build is really one that is, you know, it's, we're super competitive. We want to win. We, you know, everything, we look at everything as a, as a W or an L and we want to have a lot more W's and L's next to each, uh, each KPI. And yeah, it, it really is. Uh, it's really great. So. Well, I, I tell you, uh, my co-host here, Biscuit has gut issues and she's just a big fan of flying embers and, uh, <laughs> has one every evening with her with her dog chow um i hope you hope you know i'm joking i don't mean to demean the brand sometimes my little jokes are like what an asshole he no, feeds no. it to his dog jeez he is gonna show up to our summit now <laughs> the the pet yeah the, the 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 animal pet food and space is plenty big it might be an opportunity for yeah. <laughs> you never know <laughs> all right great well uh, jennifer do you have uh, anything else Nope. Nope. Not today. Oh man, Jen. I think Jen's looking forward to the weekend already. <laughs> well, uh, guys, thank you so much uh, for being on Bill and Liz. It's very informative and uh, listen, good luck to you. I think it's exciting. I think it's huge opportunity for that space premiumization better for you. Uh, and, and you're not just like every other seltzer. You're, you're in the booch, man. I'm Hey, booch me. How about <laughs> booch me out? Instead of I'll smoke come to me the marketing out. team. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't smoke me out. Booch me out. Oh my god. I don't know if I, you, Jen, you may not get that reference. It's a reference to marijuana. Oh my so. gosh. Wow. Thanks, Dad. Right. Um okay. <laughs> I will say I'm a fan of the pineapple chili. So Thank you. I will just put that out there. Yes. Nice. Booch me that. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Thank All you guys. Right. This is a great opportunity to chat with you. Cheers. Likewise. Nice to see you. Thanks, yeah. All right, guys. Thank well, you. thanks for drinking beer and booch, and uh, we'll talk to you all down the road. Bye. Bye. All right. Bye-bye.